So as we start a new month, um, keeping at the tradition that I started, um, each month we have a different theme, and this month it is wisdom. And um, as I was looking forward and trying to come up with the sermon topic for this first month, I was impressed with the fact that we each have experienced those times in our lives when things seem to fall apart. And we really look for some sort of advice. And so the concept today is to really kind of explore that with you, but to help you realize, as Amy's stories has said, that this thing called wisdom is available to each of us as we search and as we look within. So wisdom, learning, growing, and being... You know, you've heard these terms, and yet, what do they really mean when we feel as if our lives and all that we valued and loved are falling apart? Now, think for a moment, if you could have an out-of-body experience, and you could talk to yourself, and you could look down, and you could say, you know, depending on what was happening in your life at the time, and you could say, okay, self, here's some wisdom, here's some learning, here's some growing. What exactly would you say? There's a Zen proverb that states, man stands in his own shadow and wonders why it's dark. And then man looks outside and says, what do I know? And then man looks within and ponders. Have you ever felt the feeling, I need to explore something that's relevant to my life? In so doing, I want to start a conversation about it, and there's something bothering me that I haven't fully addressed. And I'm hoping that if I have a conversation maybe with somebody or even with myself, that I might feel better about it. Last week, when talking with a longtime friend, I had such a conversation. And we've been friends for well over many years. And we both have been seeing each other through good times, through bad times. And I thought on our past conversations, how whenever I needed to work something out in my life or mind, he was there and he listened and offered support. Through the years we've shared, and I have shared a lot of personal stories with him, but there are some stories that I haven't even told. Some of them I've worked through and simply don't want to share, and others I've completely addressed, and I'm still working through them. So after our conversation, I began thinking about how many times I had looked to this dear friend to give me reassurance and acceptance. And I decided to sit with that thought and realize that in everyday life, as we engage with other people, consciously or unconsciously, at times we are looking for them to give us what we're not giving ourselves. If we're feeling down on ourselves, we may look to other people to validate us. If we're feeling drained, we might look to other people to give us permission to take a break. But if they don't give us what we need, we can end up feeling frustrated and direct that at them. 
And even when people say what we think we want to hear, it tends to fall flat if we don't truly believe that that is right. So what makes it more complicated is oftentimes we don't even realize that we're doing this. And it's far more comfortable to search outside than it is to look within. But if we want to truly feel the warmth of light, we need to first assess our own. And that starts with asking ourselves, what do I really need? And how can I give that to myself? Letting there be room for not knowing is the most important thing of all. When there's a big disappointment, we don't know if that's the end of the story. It may be just the beginning of another great adventure. And life is like that. We call something bad. We call it good. But sometimes we just really don't know what is around the next bend. What experience lies in wait for us. A couple of years ago, this happened to me. I had been interviewing for a, a minister's position, and everything looked great. I liked the congregation. The congregation liked me. All of the little final things were being made. And each day we were talking with my contact, and everything was going along, and I was preparing myself. And then suddenly, I didn't hear anything for one day, for two days, for three days, for four days. And finally, a week had went by, and I contacted them, and I said, hey, I'm just wondering what's happening. And there was a big pause at the end. And they said, well, another minister who had retired had came in and volunteered himself to work less time and for less money. And so we decided to go with that. Now, the disappointment that I felt was far great. And I was particularly disappointed because this particular minister was someone who had been my uh, referral and um, had not known about the position. So that made the disappointment even greater. But as I sat with that and picked myself up, Much to my surprise, about three days later, an opportunity came my way. Keith Cron, who is our director of transition, said, I have a position in South Africa. Do you think you would be interested? And I said, sure, not knowing anything about it. (laughs) But we connected. And what was a great disappointment began a great adventure. And so many times in our lives when we have a disappointment, if we wait, there is another great adventure that we can't even possibly imagine or even think about. And so we all have those situations or challenges that we wish would go away because we really don't want to handle them right now. And I've learned that nothing ever goes away until it has taught us what we need to know. If we run 100 miles an hour to the other end of the continent in order to get away from the obstacle, 
we find the very same problem waiting for us when we arrive. It just keeps returning with new names, forms, manifestations, until we learn whatever it must teach us about where we are separating ourselves from reality, how we are pulling back instead of opening, closing instead of allowing ourselves to experience fully whatever we encounter without hesitating or retreating into ourselves. In our personal lives and on a global scale, we face challenges that test our emotional Injury, illness, unemployment, grief, divorce, death. Sometimes even a new venture with an unknown future. But what is some advice or help? Throughout the years, I like to collect counsel and advice that people have given me. And so I put together what I say is seven strategies that I have found helpful on dealing with this thing called life. Number one, turn toward reality. So often we turn away from the life rather than toward it. We are masters of avoidance. But if we want to be present to enjoy life and be more effective in it, we need to orient ourselves towards feeling and facing reality. When we are guided by the reality principle, we develop a deeper capacity to deal with life more effectively. What once was difficult is now easier. When once frightened, we now feel familiar. Life becomes more manageable, and there's something even deeper that we gain. Because we can see that we have grown stronger, even deeper. And we have greater confidence that we can grow even stronger still. This is the basis of feeling capable, which is wellspring of a satisfying life. How many of you have told yourself, I just can't do that, or it's just too hard, or I'll never learn how to do that, or I'm too old, or I'm too young? And then you maybe even start worrying about a situation that you might face And then when you do face that, you come to find out that that situation wasn't as bad as you thought. Several years ago, I wanted to try bungee jumping. Now, of course, my partner, my family, and all my friends thought I was really crazy. And perhaps I was. But I decided that the only way that I could find out about it was just to do it. And I did it and found it to be more exciting than what I had anticipated, feeling the rush of jumping and just kind of free-falling. But the act of doing it was not where the greatest growth occurred. It was the increased confidence that I felt because I had done something new. Now, I'm not suggesting that each of you go out and try bungee jumping, but if you'd like to, I'll help you. (laughs) But, you know, I'm suggesting do something in your life that will push you, that will cause you to have greater confidence. Second principle, embrace your life as it is rather than as you wish it to be. 
The Buddha taught that the secret to life is to want what you have and to not want what you don't have. So being present means being present to the life that you have right here, right now. There is freedom in taking life as it comes, the good with the bad, the wonderful with the not so wonderful. And when we surrender to the reality of who we are, we give ourselves a chance to do what we can do. This lesson of being and meeting life at the moment was really taught to me when I lived in South Africa. There I was in a strange country away from family, friends, my partner, my loved ones. And I learned to enjoy the moment and the people. There were times when I was homesick. There were times when I missed my family, my partner, my friends. But I learned to embrace each day. And each day became for me a journey of discovery. I learned to live how a South African lives and not how a tourist lives. Take your time. You remember the story of the tortoise and the hare that the tortoise finally wins in the outcome. And so the slower you go, the sooner you'll get there. Practice gratitude. It's easy to count our troubles rather than our blessings. Such an attitude undermines our ability to draw from the good. Number five, stay close to your feelings, even the painful ones. Often we find our feelings scary, heavy, and confusing, so we try to keep them at a distance. But we need our feelings in order to find satisfaction, meaning, and pleasure in life. Getting rid of feelings not only backfires, but it drains us of the psychological energy that makes life worth living. Feelings are the gas in the engine of us. They are the source of motivation. They are the energy, the vitality, the juice of life, and without them, our lives wouldn't have any personality, dimension, or color. Accept accept success and failure as a part of life's journey. No matter how mature or successful we become, the child within always will need mentors and friends who will be there to see us through. Tend to your loving relationships, number seven. It's easy to neglect what matters most, our relationships with those we love. It requires a commitment to keep working. It involves a daily process of overcoming the distance and honoring the separateness between us. We learn to forgive. We accept the forgiveness of another. As the monks do every day, we fall and get up and fall and get up again. So I have found these seven strategies helpful in dealing with arises in life. Just think, if we could live without meeting difficulties, we would not be viable. Life gives us challenges to make us stronger. We all look for wisdom and sometimes advice. One day a son came to his father for advice, and he said, Dad, I can't do this thing called life anymore. These life lessons only exhaust me, 
and the result doesn't change a thing. His father looked at his son with loving eyes and said, You know, son, every person in life has challenges, and the easiest way is to quit in everything and not go until the end. Sometimes the life path is difficult and we're not used to inconveniences. We want everything to be easy and at once. But this is not how life is. And gradually life can become a routine without depth and meaning. One day we try to forget and start everything from the beginning. And we wait for a new day to make our life different. But new obstacles come in our way and we stop again. We become full of despair and anger for our own helplessness. But life goes on. Your biggest enemies are those that are hiding in you. Doubt, indecision, fear. Be a warrior of your life, a knight of your goal, and a soldier of your wishes. So let's just pretend that our lives are a big jar. And we have big, huge stones, and they represent our values, our family, our health, and mortality. And then we have pebbles that represent other things, maybe our job, our house, and our car. And then we have this sand that represents all the small stuff. Now, if we take our life, this jar and fill it with the sand, and then try to put in the large pebbles and put in the small pebbles, it doesn't work. But if we take our jar, which is our life, and put in the large stones, which is our value, those things that are important to us, and then we put in the pebbles, the things that we matter most, and then we pour in the sand, It all fits nicely in the container. So remember that the sand are those little things that are unimportant to us. And as we get caught in the sand, many times we forget that which is truly important. There was an old mule who accidentally fell into a farmer's well, and the farmer evaluated the situation and thought to himself, he said, Neither the whale nor the mule was worth the efforts to save them, and he decided that what he'd do is haul dirt to bury the old mule in the well. So the farmer called his neighbors and his friends together, and they started to shovel dirt into the well. And the old mule was terrified and hysterical in the beginning, but soon one hopeful idea came to his mind. Every time when a shovel of dirt landed on his back, he would shake it off, and step up. He repeated these words to himself again and again, shake it off, step up. This way he could struggle with the panic and encourage himself. And after some time, the mule stepped over the well as well. He was tired, but he was the winner. He had saved his own life. He decided to face his adversity positively and not to give up, and thus he won. What seemed to bury him saved him, owing to his confidence and restless efforts. So I ask the question, what do you do 
when you feel that things fall apart. Wisdom, learning, growing, and being are the tools that we can use to deal with moments when it feels as our life is closing in. When things fall apart, remember this hard advice. Wisdom is a gift. We pass it on to each other like a precious jewel. None of us want others to make the same mistakes we did, so we generously share our advice. In other words, wisdom connects us. Or to put it another way, wisdom and kindness are more closely linked than we may acknowledge. Our time is limited, and so don't waste it by living someone else's life. Don't be trapped by dogma, which is living with the results of what other people's thinking. Don't let the noise of others' opinions drown out your own inner voice. And most important, have the courage to follow your heart and your intuition. They somehow already know what you truly know. There is a wise being living in each of us. It is your intuitive self. Focus your awareness into a deep place in your body, a place where your gut feelings reside. You can communicate with it silently and then relax and don't think too hard and be open to receiving answers. The answers come. They're usually simple, and they relate to the present moment, not the past or the future, and they feel right. The Sufi poet Halfiz wrote, The beloved sometimes wants to do us a great favor. He holds us upside down and shake all the nonsense out. And with all the nonsense shaken out and stripped away, maybe what we notice most is not so much pearls of wisdom themselves, but the sources of wisdom we've forgotten from within. So many untapped sources, so much wisdom waiting to be known makes one think that maybe the wisest question of all is, where have I not looked before? When things fall apart, may I look within. May it be so. Blessed be.